Welcome to the Kids First Podcast, where we talk to educators, school leaders, policymakers, and charter school acolytes about their stories. We always start with why here, because it's not just about a job, occupation, or field. It's about why we do what we do. Hey, I'm your host, Chris Neely. As the superintendent of the South Carolina Public Charter School District and the father of three amazing kids, I have seen time and time again the pain that a lack of access and choice in education can cause. But I have also seen the beauty and joy that educational autonomy can create. So thanks for listening and for coming along with us here at the district as we learn more about putting kids first and why it matters. Welcome back, friends, to the Kids First Podcast. This week, we have an exciting guest that's going to join us, the Lieutenant Governor of the state of South Carolina, the 93rd Lieutenant Governor, who just won re-election two weeks ago with our Governor Henry McMaster. Pam Evett is the founder of Quality Business Solutions, a payroll, human resources, and benefit services firm headquartered in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. She's a native of Ohio. She's the granddaughter of Polish immigrants, and her parents, Jenny and Emil, were first-generation Americans who told her the value of hard work and the importance of getting involved in giving back in your community. Friends, we're very fortunate to have our Lieutenant Governor, Pamela Evett, with us. Governor, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me here. Well, it's, it's such a pleasure to have you. You know, you and I have talked quite often over the course of the last several years about educational issues, and of course, you've spoken at some of our events and you know, I know you're all about putting kids first. You and the governor were the leaders during COVID on trying to open schools back up, get parents, the, you know, the access they need for their child to get a high-quality education so that we don't have learning loss. And I think now that we've seen the, the national and state report cards, we see that kids have had learning loss. So what you and the governor were saying then, unfortunately, has come to fruition but uh, I want to have a great conversation with you about putting kids first. Um, but also, I want to hear your why. I mean, you you ran a successful business. Um, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you're a recognized business leader in our state. And you're also a recognized champion of literacy and reading programs as lieutenant governor. Talk a little bit about um, your perspective on what's going on in education right now in South Carolina and in the country. And share your why with us as we engage on this conversation of Kids First. Well, Chris, first I want to say thank you for you and your wife coming out and talking about learning loss. Uh, when Vice, then Vice President Pence was here in South Carolina, you know, I still hear about the wonderful impression that made on people. And, and you know, with Marsh having some disabilities, it was great to hear that how it affected them more so than even the, you know, the average student in the classroom. So, you know, thank you for that. But I'm, as a mom, you know, I'm a lieutenant governor and I'm a business person, but at heart, I'm a mom. I have three great kids and I could, we have to focus on education. They're our future. Uh, if it's, you know, what did they say? The definition of insanity is just keep doing the same thing over yeah, and over and yeah. expect a different result. We need to change things up in South Carolina. If we want to be the best in the nation when it comes to education for our kids, then we have to make sure we focus on the classroom. And with all the horrible things that COVID did in our country, the one good thing it did is it, 
it, I think it empowered parents yeah. to say, listen, I'm, I'm engaging in this game now. They saw what their kids were learning and not learning. Um, they got very passionate about that. And we've seen this wave go across the country of, I want to know what's happening in my child's classroom. I want to be a part of it. So proud what the governor said at the state of the state when he said, we don't want parents less involved in education in the classroom. We want them more involved. And as a mom, first and foremost, I think that is exactly the attitude that we all want. Uh, parents back in the classroom, and it starts with school choice, giving parents the power to know what's best for their children. It's not just their right. It's their responsibility. Absolutely. You know, you spoke of COVID and the impact it had, and I think, I think you're right. Parents felt empowered. Uh, charter schools in South Carolina grew by 25% over the course of the last two years. But, of course, with all that growth, the way charter schools were previously funded in South Carolina, where we had to get a proviso every year and basically come back and beg for money, we came to you and the governor and said, look, we're going to run out of money mid-year in 21 school year. And you and the governor advocated for us to get $9 million of, of basically gap funds so that our schools could could open the doors to all these families that were uh, demanding some kind of high-quality opportunity for their kids. I can't thank you enough. I mean, we literally would have shut our doors down in school year 2021 if not for you and the governor. Well, we heard from parents loud and clear, Chris, and I know you did too. They wanted their children back in the classroom. They knew this was going to adversely affect them. And I mean, our phones were ringing off the hook. Yeah. And so it was easy to stand with the people of South Carolina and to work with you, putting kids first and making sure we got that. It was a great legislative year last year, making sure that state funds are getting to the classroom, which is what everybody wants, right? They want to make sure that their tax dollars are being used properly. Because I, I read a statistic years ago, four years ago, that said, you know, South Carolina were 15 we're number like 15 in the nation for what we put per child. Cause you always hear, well, education is not funded in South Carolina. Right. We're number 15 in the country of what we put in per child in education. We're 49th on outcome. So it's not about what are we spending or the amount that we're spending. It's like, how are we utilizing what we're spending? Exactly. And that's what got a lot of traction here this year. And I think that's now resonating with parents going, wait a minute. How do we filter these dollars back so that my child has a successful outcome? Governor, you're exactly right. I mean, now the money follows the child in, in South Carolina, in the Absolutely. public school system. And I know, you know, the legislature is probably in the future going to be talking about maybe some kind of voucher or tax credit or something where money can follow the child to any school or even if they are homeschooled. But in public charter schools, this made all the difference for us because now – we know that we have the money, but we still get about half of what a traditional district gets because we don't get any local tax dollars and we don't have local tax and authority. Yet this year when the state report cards came out three weeks ago, charter schools in South Carolina are outpacing our traditional public schools in every single metric. So it goes to show it's not about the money. It's about what you're doing with the money, just, as what, just like what you said. You're exactly right. And can you imagine, so as you said, I'm a business person at heart. And can you imagine if I had to run my business or any business person listening had to run their business, hoping that year to year they would get that proviso, right? This 
this it's not a way to do business and that's why this no. was so good for our charter schools it it really gave you the confidence to continue to grow and move on uh, and parents are happy with that and we've seen it you know you and I've talked before about how this is not groundbreaking what we want to do here no, in South Carolina no. you know so we're not experimenting on our kids you look at states who have had huge leaps in their educational outcome you know states like Florida states like Alabama state like Mississippi they did this and saw just you know their kids start to thrive so when people think like well wait a minute are we on the cut we're not on the cutting edge this is something that we can look out and take you know the good points of what people did, you know, what do they say when you um, when you mimic somebody? It's like the sincerest form of flattery oh, right. is to copy yep. them. Yeah. We can we can take what worked well in other states, and we can duplicate that here. So, you know, we have uh, great examples around the country of what we can be doing. Well, that's exactly right. And in our state, we have all different types of charter schools. We have STEM schools, we have STEAM schools, Montessori schools. We've got schools that focus on career and technology. You visited with me uh, about a year and a half ago, Greenville Tech Charter High School that's located on one of our technical college campuses there in Greenville. I mean, the opportunities that kids have in charter schools to get the real practical experience, to be able to master the things that they are interested in and then take that passion, whether it's into the career and the workforce or whether it's into college, I mean, that's what this is all about. And we're not inventing something new here. And, and all of our kids, you know, I have three children, you have three children, Chris, they all learn different. They, they do. <laughs> they all have different passions, you know, and they all learn different. And that's why when you talk about STEAM and STEM, you have some kids that just naturally gravitate towards that. And we need more engineers. We need more architects. We need more kids who think that way. And if that's the way they can thrive, it is great that we have a resource for them. I think there are some kids that thrive really well in traditional schooling, and we have that for them. That's if we, right. If we want to create very successful adults, then we need to have multiple pathways for them to get there. Um and it's good when parents, because like, like we just said, even in the same household, every child is different. And what they, what they gravitate to is different. So we want to make sure we have that for them here. And I think another thing that's unique about charter schools, and, and I've heard somebody say this recently, we've always really had school choice in America. It's just that we didn't always have school choice for everybody. Exactly. Some families, they could move to a different zip code and, and, and be in a better school because they had the money to buy the house. In the, in the better school zone, yep. which I think we need to get rid of school zones, if you ask me. <laughs> Let's just really open it up. Um, but then you had, you know, kids that could go to private school because their parents had the, the income and they could afford to send their, their kids to a private school. But with public charter schools, you know, that then opens the door for everybody. As long as there's a charter school in their community, sadly, we don't have a lot of charter schools in many of our rural towns in South Carolina, I think about, I call it the corridor of opportunity along I-95. Sadly, it's been called the corridor of shame, but I think it's an opportunity for us to go into those poor rural communities. I think there's 120,000 students in those communities in our state. They deserve something too. And I think a public charter school district is a, is a great thing to, to, to open the doors for them. What do you think, Governor? I think that's wonderful. And thank you so much for you know, rechanging the stereotype of that I-95 corridor. Because when you tell people that you can't amount to anything, they won't. And they won't even try. I think when you give people hope, that is what makes them grow and get excited. And you're right. 
making sure that they have opportunities. Tim Scott said it so well when he said... What a charter champion. That's there. right. Yeah. A child zip code should not basically you know, show their trajectory in life, right? It shouldn't stop them. And so getting a charter school there is important. You know, I sit on the Hunt Keen Institute uh, in their fellows program now out of D.C. And what we talked about is when you can start growing those areas, right, getting more opportunity there, that's how you change the complexion of any area of our state, even our rural areas. You want to make sure that parents are excited about the opportunities that their children have. And so the more charter schools we can put in those areas, putting power back in the hands of parents, letting them know that their children can be anything they want to be, changes everything in our state. Changes everything. And you know, we're fortunate that we that we have you and Governor McMaster at the helm here in our state really leading the charge when it comes to economic development and creating new jobs, trying to attract business and industry from around the country, neighboring states, and around the world. But unfortunately, when we look at the, the report card that came out a few weeks ago, the percentage of our students that are not proficient in reading and math, um, it doesn't bode well for us And in terms of having the educated and quality workforce that we, that we need. Governor, speak a little bit about, you know, I mean, you're in these meetings you're meeting with these executives. They're flying in here to South Carolina. They hear about how great we are. But, I mean, what is the what is the number one thing they're really looking for? Well, they want to make sure when they come here and they're looking to settle here, they want to, they're want they looking at school districts, right? Because yeah. they're bringing executives in or they're going to be trying to uh, take executives from other parts of the state. And so uh, I was sitting with, you know, the uh, Commerce and uh down around the Williamsburg area, Wilmington area, that whole area down there. And they were saying, you know, we have to battle so many things. We're trying to get people into these rural areas. And, you know, they're competing with Georgetown. They're competing with Charleston. They're like, if we can't have like a charter school or better performing public schools, it's really hard for us to sell them to come to this area. And so you're right. You mentioned it. I got some numbers where 20, 21% of our elementary schools underperformed, 16% of our middle schools, and 30% of our high schools. That's not the report card we were looking no. for. And so we really want to make sure that um, we refocus. you got to know what you're dealing with. You know, we everybody was talking about, do you test kids? Do you not test kids? Well, if you don't test kids, you don't know where they're landing. You won't know what you have to backfill in their education to get them where they need to be. That's right. And I think our teachers really have their work cut out for them to try to assess every child. Because knowing that kids can't read at a third grade level when they're in high school should never happen in this day and age. With the technology that we have and, and the amount of money that we have within our schools to make sure our kids perform, this should not be there. And parents are the key. That's right. So when you It talk, starts in the home, the first teachers. It does. It starts in the home. And if you don't engage parents and you make parents feel like that is not their job, that they can't cross into the classroom, we've we know statistically that when parents are involved in a child's education at all, that they will do better. And so when I, you know, in the Hunt Keen Institute, we talked about like how do you have good educational outcomes? When they did statistics from around the country, they saw that when you have a big gap going into 4K and into our kindergarten, that causes this disparity to grow from kindergarten to 12th grade. 
if we close that gap, that's why it was so important for the governor to make sure that he funded money into 4K education. Because when you have parents, you know, and there are areas, and it's sad to say that you do have parents that are illiterate, grandparents that are illiterate. And so if they can't work with kids going in, as other parents may be able to, that gap going into school gets so large. So by making sure that we were funding 4K education, closing that gap, that's the cheapest way to guarantee success in education. That was very important to the governor. That was very important to me. I've always said, if a child can read, a child can learn. And so making sure that we continue to do that, funding 4K education, making sure that they have a good, solid foundation really is where it begins. You know, I was the school leader at the Meyer Center there in Greenville, and I was fortunate that my son, Marsh, he has Down syndrome, as you know. and um, But he started there when he was nine months old. I mean, that's, that's when, I mean, learning begins before a baby's born. Absolutely. We know that. Um, but we, were, we would take, you know, the young children in at, at age nine months. But they began to get the therapies they needed. They, they started to get some of those basic rudimentary uh, skills. And then they started to develop. And then at the Meyer Center, they would leave at uh, second grade at eight years of age. Of course, we moved back to Columbia. But, but then we had our own issue here because the local school district wanted to self-contain Marsh. They basically were saying, you know, you don't really have opportunity. And then we sent him to a, another school down the street. That didn't work out. They said that, you know, we can't support him. Well, then we found a charter school here in downtown Columbia, which happens to not be one of our charter schools. Uh, but that's, that's okay because we believe in school choice. He's thriving. But it's because we had to find the right place for Marsh where, where he felt like he belonged and where they saw potential in him when others didn't. And that makes all the difference in the world, especially for these young kids. And what really worries me, I was reading some information this morning, the percentage of single-parent households in South Carolina is one of the largest in the country. It's, I think, more than doubled since 1968. And at the same time, we've seen how academic performance in, in the state and in the country just continues to go down. I do believe there's some correlation there between um, the way the family has been breaking down in America and, and while we're seeing some of the things we're seeing in our schools with kids, the way to break the cycle of poverty and the single-parent homes, I believe, is to improve and give choice to these kids and their education. I agree. Chris, you said it just so eloquently. And, you know, I was at the Myers Center when you were there, and that's where I first met Marsh. Yep. And, um, he fell in love with you. Oh, I love that little <laughs> kid. Every time I see his little face on social media, it just brightens yeah. my day. But, but it is important, and you see the outcomes. You know, we talked about that years ago when I visited there, and, and those kids all had my number because I think oh, yeah. how many books did I read yeah. them? Like every time they yep. said, one more book, it's like, okay, one yep. more book. Um, but that is a wonderful example. And it's right here in South Carolina. And from what I understand, that that school is very rare it uh, is. across there's the a, country. Yeah. There's only a handful in the entire country. And it, it is a shame that we don't have more outlets. And that's what choice gives you. Just like you said, when you couldn't land on a good home for Marsh, every child is different. And when you have choices, then you give Marsh, you know, and everybody like Marsh, the, the ability to just grow and excel. And that's what we want. That's what every parent wants. And you're right. The breakdown of family doesn't help. 
when you're a single parent and you come home. It's hard. And you've been working all day. It's yeah. hard when you've got, you know, two parents in the oh, household. Yeah. So, so my heart goes out to all of them. Uh, you know, but you're right. The, the building of the family, you know, the governor and I have said that for years and years. We want South Carolina to be thriving in every direction giving opportunity to parents to make their lives easier. When we create good paying jobs, that's why education is so important. We can go back to that question that you just asked. What are business leaders saying? We want to attract every business that we can here to give our children opportunities and their parents opportunities, right? Because when we, when we can relieve some of the pressure then we can get parents focused more back in the home, create good right. paying jobs so that a single mom doesn't feel like she has to work two jobs or a single dad. Get them in great paying jobs, but to get those businesses here, to make them excited about coming here. We already have the world's best technical colleges anywhere in the country right Absolutely. here in South Carolina. Absolutely. And that's what's bringing them here. So we need to feed it. We now need to now continue back down the pipeline, start looking at K through 12, looking at charter making sure that our educational outcomes are the best in the country. And then South Carolina, its growth will be limitless, right? And opportunity will be limitless for our, for our children. And, that, and that's what we want. We want our kids to want to stay yep. home. We want them, you know, go do, go do college, go do technical college. But you should want your kids to stay in state. I mean, because, I mean, this is where you raise them. You want them to stay here. You want them to be the next leaders, the next lieutenant governor. Absolutely. I mean, that's what you want. But if we don't have good schools and then we can't offer good economic opportunities, they're going to go somewhere else where they can. Everything is, everything is interrelated. That's right. You know, you can't silo these things. It was the one thing coming from business into government Everything is so siloed. You know, the governor and I, we have been looking for ways. You know, the governor talks about it all the time, and I, I coin his phrase, cooperation, communication, collaboration. How do you take the public sector? How do you put it with the private sector? How do we get rid of these lanes, these silos, if you have it, um, so that we can all work together? Because you're right. We want our kids to be here. That's how the family unit grows stronger, right? Think about 40 years ago, 30 years ago. You were born, you were raised, and you probably died within the same 10-mile oh, yeah. area. And all of your cousins were there. And you had great family support. And you had parents and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And, and that's what we want. We want to have so much opportunity here, like you said. We continue to strengthen the family. That our kids see no reason to ever leave. Because every great company will be right here within the boundaries of South Carolina. Because there's we, no better place to live, work, or raise your kids, no, is there? No, but Right here in our home state. That's exactly right. We're all fortunate and blessed to live in, in the great state of South Carolina. And we do have so many great resources. Of course, you know, we've got the mountains. We've got the beach. I mean, we've got horse country. I mean, that's we've right. got the PD. We've got the best barbecue. That's right. Mustard-based sauce, yeah, right? That's I, what I grew up on. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I grew up on. I am a little biased on that one, but I know there's others that have other tastes. <laughs> Uh, but that's choice, see? That's right. Got to have all choice. Goes, it all goes back to choice. You know, this this idea that, you know, I feel like you and the governor, really, you get the big picture. We've got all the different pieces we need. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've got a great brand as a state. We've got the BMWs and the Volvos and the Boeings, and that's a signal to other big companies around the, the world, hey, look, if we can do business here, you can do business here too. That's right. The door is open. Um, we've been investing in infrastructure. You know, we've, we've got, you know, good programs to attract the business. 
and, and job tax credits and things like that. But I still feel like we're not there when it comes to public education, but we're making progress. And I think That's what right. you and the governor did and working with the General Assembly on getting a new funding formula is, is a big part of that. But I think we need to continue to look at how can we use charter schools in South Carolina as a innovative incubator for our traditional public school? Because I want to say up front, I'm a product of public schools here in South Carolina. This is not about criticizing them. No. I want them to be their best. This is all about all of us should want to make South Carolina number one. And to do that, we've all got to do it together. Well, you're right. And, you know, I'm a bit like I keep going back to I'm a business person at heart, right? It's that competition that makes us all better. Yeah. In business, and same thing I would imagine in schools. It is. We, we want to make sure that the cream rises. We, the yep. cream will all rise to the top. So by having competition, it makes everybody perform better. It makes everybody do better. I love what you said about keeping kids excited. I think sometimes you don't realize all the wonderful things right here in your own state. And so when kids come to the Capitol, and I like to talk to them about where South Carolina's fingerprints are. And even for your listeners, I think sometimes we lose sight that we make more BMWs than anywhere in the world right here in South Carolina. That's still, I mean, that's amazing to me when you think about that. <laughs> it is. The entire world. In the entire world. Right here in our state. And now with Lockheed Martin in the upstate, we're building F-16 fighter pilots, fighter planes. Those planes defend our allies all over the globe. Yeah. We, we have boat manufacturers in Charleston that are building boats for the Prince of Qatar. We have Dreamliners that are being built right here, right? We have Nephron Pharmaceutical. Let's just jump yeah. over out of manufacturing. Yeah. Nef Nephron Pharmaceutical. Right here in Columbia. Making groundbreaking research right here that help the health outcomes of people all over the world. I think South Carolinians don't really understand that our fingerprints are everywhere. The ripple effect on that. Oh, it is. And so we have to get our kids excited about education. We have to get our parents excited about it. You know, the governor talks about the three legs of the school, education, economic development, and our environment. And we've got to concentrate on all of those simultaneously so that we can continue to see a big picture growth here in South Carolina. And that's what we're doing. So focusing on what you're passionate about and getting our schools to be performing I really believe we're heading in the right direction. Our General Assembly is hearing it from the people. So all of your listeners, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you elect local leaders, and you need to reach out to them. I always say reach out respectfully. This is a tough job, right? That's right. But tell them what you want. They can't know. The governor and I can't know. Senators and House reps can't know unless you tell them what is important to you. And we want to make sure they know that school choice is what is important to the parents here in South Carolina so that they know the way that they have to vote and the way they have to craft these bills coming up in the new legislative season. Governor, you mentioned uh, Lockheed Martin up in, uh, up in the upstate, up in Greenville, and you know the fact that they're producing those fighter jets that are being sold all over the world uh, to help you know, protect democratic societies, our friends. Yes. Um, we have uh, several large military bases in our state. I know you and the governor, though, have also heard from some of our base commanders concerns about our our schools and and we do have a charter school located on the charleston air force base uh palmetto scholars academy and we're very proud to have that partnership with the department of defense um you know but we want to continue to make south carolina a place where our military personnel want to come and live and work at these military bases 
we don't want these military bases to one day end up on the BRAC list of closure uh, because they are a big economic uh, stimulus for our state. And, of course, we're, I would say, the most patriotic state in America. I would, too. Yeah. And um, being such, we want to keep those bases and all that it provides in terms of economic you know, development and so forth. But if our base commanders at these military bases are saying that the public schools are not good, I mean, do you think we're at risk of potentially having these bases looked at because we're not doing the right thing in the education realm? Chris, I absolutely do. I think the one thing that people don't understand about having those military bases here. We have eight military installations here in South Carolina. We get graded every year. So the federal government looks at what we're doing for our veterans, what we're doing for our enlisted men and women, and they start rating us as a state. That's why it was so important that we had a director of veterans, a secretary of veterans affairs. Yep. The governor, you know, created that position. Uh, Will Grimsley, you know, took that general. Grimsley. He's doing a great job. He's doing what an advocate. He is doing a great job. And so, and this tax cut that we just did, right? Making, you know, zero state income tax on our veterans' pensions here in South Carolina. Every one of those things is a check mark in our favor. We're competing with every other state that wants these bases. That is huge, right? We want, we can't say thank you enough to our enlisted men and women. We send them all over the globe to protect freedom. The, the best thing we can do is make sure while they're away, we're educating their children. And so it's very important to make sure they like that. We want them to come back. They make great workers. They make great citizens of our state. So we want to entice them when their time in the military is over, come back to South Carolina. So it is really important to make sure that we impress, <laughs> we impress the brass with what we're doing here in education. Exactly. And fortunately, you know, charter schools are performing well. Yes. I mean, it's nothing to brag on. I mean, I think as a state, we still have a long way to go. Um, in terms of our, our overall students performing and being proficient in math and reading. But charter schools are demonstrating that we can do more for less. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the General Assembly's coming back into session here in January. Um, you know, what policies, education-type policies, or anything do you see on the horizon? Um, this is going to be a new legislative session because we just had the uh, election. Um, what are you seeing on the horizon in terms of, potential education policy? So I think we want to go back and we want to get a more school choice friendly uh, piece of legislation passed. The governor and I uh, very for that. Uh, the House very for that, right? So we need to make sure that we can get our senators on board this go around uh, and make sure that we get a true school choice piece of legislation passed. There's a lot of new things on the horizon. There's a new superintendent of education who is very pro school yeah, choice. Ellen Weaver. Yes. So yeah, we I, just had her on the show last week. Ellen is going to be a huge champion for that. I think, you know, we are very much looking forward to you know, our two offices working together to see what we can do about performance. I think she's going to come in with a lot of great ideas. So it's going to be, it's, I, it's, it's, it is the dawn of a new day. It's not something I, I think could happen. It is the dawn of a new day. That kind of creative thinking along with a governor and a lieutenant governor who are very passionate about it. The House is passionate. We have more new members in the House. A school choice and just learning uh, has been a huge focus of them getting elected. And now we have our parents in the mix. You know, I've always said that our school board meetings should be more well attended than Friday night football games. 
And we're seeing that. Parents wanting to see what's happening. We've seen school board races like I've never seen them uh, in my entire lifetime with parents. I mean, these oh, are, yeah. parents these standing are, up these for are parents going, yeah. listen, I may not know all of it, but I care about kids. So I'm sitting on that board and I'm going to have a voice. So I think this is, this is our future, right? It's all changing. Uh, 2023 is going to be an amazing year. I'm excited to see what's going to happen for education here in South Carolina. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we're going to see some big changes this year because we have to put our kids first. Yeah, we, that's we exactly have, right. We have to put our kids first. And, you know, we've said it before. Adults sometimes have to get out of the way because <laughs> ego ends up being a big factor in why certain things aren't happening the way they should. So, getting the right adults at the table to say, look, it, this isn't about me. This isn't about what I want. This is about educational outcome for our children. We have all those people in place now, and we're going to see some great things. I would love for us one day to actually have the conversation on the policy side where we say, look, we take each child, and we know that each child's different, and they're going to have different needs. My son, Marsh, what he needs is going to be different than a child that's a high performer. But we start with the child, and we build out their educational program from there, from the child, back up, and then we fund the child that way. Absolutely. And then that way we ensure that every child has, you know, equal opportunity to succeed in life. You're right, because there are some children that need more resources than others, you know, just by no fault of their own. It's just the way we're all built. It's more expensive to educate my son, Marsh, than it is... My son Tuck. Exactly. And it all, but it all works out in the wash because as a, as a society, that's part of being in a society. That's right. Because we want everybody to have the same great outcomes. It may not be, and you're blessed if your child doesn't need as much resource. That is a blessing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, because I'm sure you wish that Marsh didn't need all the resources he needed, that life would be easier for him. But that's just not the way life works. But we, the end goal is the same for every parent a successful educational outcome that gives their child the opportunities they need to be a successful adult. That's all we want as parents, as our kids to thrive when we're not here one day. Well, our goal is for Mars to one day attend the uh, Clemson Life Program at Clemson University. What an, you know, I, I had, I was with President Clements after you had done a social media post about how wonderful that was. And he hadn't seen it yet. And I'm like, you have to go see Chris post because I'm big fans of them. That is an amazing program there. They've done a great job. And like I said, as a mom myself, I mean, that's, that's the biggest blessing of my life is to be a mom. And I, I just I can't even imagine the pride you see every time Marsh hits a milestone, right? Because it's because so, he's working so hard to get there, harder than he your is. other two kids, harder than oh, my yeah. kids. But he's smiling every step of the way, which is always warms my heart. Well, he's my why. Your kids are your why. Absolutely. And that's the way it started. So you're on an elevator, and you're with some strangers, and they know that you're this big advocate for school choice and charter schools. What's your pitch for someone who might be a critic or just maybe they just don't understand what school choice is all about? What's the pitch? The pitch is this is not groundbreaking. We've seen the success that other states have had with this, where every child was rising at the same level, where their educational outcomes were all better. We need to do that. We need to make sure that we stop the same old, same old, this is the way we've always done it because the way we've always done it has ended up last. Yeah. So we need to change what we've done and get our kids at the top 
we need to see South Carolina in the top five. I, I would say South Carolina needs to be number one. We're number one in our technical schools. We're number one for advanced manufacturing. We're number one for the beauty of our state, our beaches, our waterfalls, our mountains. We need to be number one in education, too. And we need to be number one in putting kids first. And we that's do. what I love about you. Gov Governor, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Kids First podcast. I love your passion for our state. I love I love your passion for kids. And, of course, I am biased. I love your passion for my son, Marsh. But, <laughs> you know, uh, everybody loves Marsh. Everybody loves Marsh. Um, I want to be like my son, Marsh. But um, I, I just appreciate your work. I mean, your advocacy and the voice that you're giving to parents who need a choice. That's what this is all about. You know, as a mom, I've always said it. You know, my kids were blessed. They could be whatever they wanted to be. They could go and do whatever they wanted to do. My heart always breaks for the moms who, like you said, sit in a part of our, our state that's very rural and they have no options because it's hard enough to motivate your children when they're 14, 15, 16, when the world is their door. Yeah. When they have very few resources and very limited choices in their area, I can't imagine how you get your kids excited. And that really hurts my heart. And so that's why I get so passionate about putting kids first and giving parents options. Because like I said, everybody says, well, it's a parent's right. It's really their responsibility. God entrusts us with these children, and he wants us to do what's best for them. And we need to give our parents the resources to be able to do that. Friends, that's what this is all about. Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, thank you so much for being on the Kids First podcast. I hope uh, you and your family have a wonderful holiday. And uh, we look forward to talking with you more in the future and working with you on policy initiatives that are going to help put kids first in South Carolina when it comes to our educational system. Friends, that's a wrap for this week. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Kids First Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.